0: Good afternoon, everyone. I'd just like to extend a very special welcome to um, a gentleman who was on palliative care with me for several months, and he really inspired and ignited the fire in me to continue to see intergenerational ministry grow and flourish, and his daughter is here with us today, so thank you for that. I have the great privilege of serving as the chaplain at Shepherd Village Seniors Community in Scarborough. And some of my duties include leading church programs, overseeing our spiritual life volunteers, visiting with the residents, palliative care ministry, and planning funeral services. We are a caring Christian community, and our objective is to provide with excellence, accommodations, and a full range of care-related services for our seniors. Our organization is associated with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and we are dedicated to helping seniors thrive in a spiritual community and engage in social initiatives. Our mandate is to ensure the dignity and value of every person and affirm their worthiness in Jesus Christ. Our facility consists of, we're pretty big actually, we're just shy of about a thousand residents We have a long-term care facility, a retirement center, and then we have two uh, buildings, one that's an apartment and one that's a condo. I'm passionate about intergenerational ministry and seeing church communities engage all generations as we live together, bringing various age groups together to utilize the strengths, visions, wisdom, and experience from one generation to meet the needs of another. The Spiritual Life's Team's mission at Shepherd Village is to create opportunities for our seniors and youth in the community to develop authentic relationships. When I look back and reflect on my own work in palliative care ministry, I am reminded of an elderly gentleman named Mike Graham. All of the life lessons I learned from him, for example, He taught me the value of living in the moment and enjoying the simplicity of life and how not to take anything for granted. Time is one of the most precious commodities because you can never go back in time. And once it's gone, it's gone. I believe I brought to the table the gift of friendship and trust. The church should make it their utmost priority to bridge the gap between the young and the old. What nourishes our soul is love, meaningful relationships, and fellowship with Jesus Christ. A vibrant Christian community values the beauty of catechism, the spiritual lives of all generations, and the wondrous gifts that the people of God have to offer this world. Intergenerational ministry is rooted in scriptures, and the people of God are encouraged to cultivate a holistic community where people of all age groups can come together and worship God in unity. Throughout the scriptures, there is theological support for age-inclusive ministry, and it was considered a normal way of life back then. In the book of Joel, the prophet challenges his audience to tell the generations about the Lord. And he says, Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. The prophet is telling the elders of the community to share their memories of the Lord's faithfulness, just as we sang today, with their children and their grandchildren. By doing so, the people would instill an awareness of God's presence in the hearts and minds of every generation that would follow. In turn, they would live with a sense of appreciation of what the Lord had done for them and their ancestors. The elders were intentional about mentoring the young people. Intergenerational relationships can also be seen between Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was excited about the opportunity to be mentored by Elijah, and he willingly gave up all he owned and followed him. Elijah invested in his protégé, and the scriptures indicate that there was a transfer of the prophetic vocation and the gift of the Spirit. This is confirmed by Elijah's ability to part the Jordan River, just as Elijah had done earlier. The relationship between Paul and Timothy in the New Testament offers a model for mentoring and ministry. In 1 Timothy 4:14 to 15 Paul writes to him and says, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Paul wrote letters instructing and encouraging Timothy, and he had the opportunity to help shape and mold his character. In 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul even describes Timothy as a man of God, Naomi had touched Ruth deeply, and she, con- she was considered, and she considered her to be a woman full of truth and wisdom. Naomi had impacted Ruth's life, and this is exemplified by her willingness to follow Naomi and her foreign god. Ruth was fully loyal to her mother-in-law and sought to protect her, just as Naomi felt for her. Undoubtedly, the elders, in, the elder individuals in these relationships helped to cultivate a spirituality in the lives of the younger companions that sustained them throughout their entire life. When we reflect on the dynamics of the early church, we see that relationship building was one of the central core values of the community. Throughout the scriptures, we see the people of God gathering together to hear his words spoken through the scriptures. They also meditated on how to apply these teachings to their own lives and relationships with others. It is easier to follow in the footsteps of Jesus while living in community and learning from one another. The community of believers should strive to coexist in a community that is transparent, comprised of people of all age groups who are living out their faith and who know that they can trust Jesus in every area of their life. I think a big question for all of us is how do we establish intergenerational or age-inclusive ministry in our own church context? The church community has become incredibly segregated, and as a result, the generations have separated themselves. In Christine Ross's writings, In her publication, Intergenerational Christian Formation, the whole church together in ministry, community, and worship. She addresses the growing divide amongst the age groups in the church, and she asks two very important questions. How did we get so segregated? And the second is, why bother to bring the generations back together? She asserts that the fundamental problem facing intergenerational ministry is that many ministers actually believe that their churches are intergenerational. However, in most cases, this is just not the reality. She believes that we live in a very individualistic culture and that individualism has crept into the church. And she suggests that this type of ministry is essential for cultivating a healthy and vibrant Christian community. Brad Griffin has contributed greatly to the discussion on intergenerational ministry and he believes, and I quote, many churches are finding though, simple proximity doesn't equal relationships. Being in the same room does open the possibility for relationships, but it's not the whole answer to the problem of the adult-kid divide many of us experience in our congregations. Intergenerational ministry ends up being a great new catchphrase that is, that is practiced, tends to be really vague to most churches. Arguably, many faith communities are wondering where to begin and how to inspire their congregation to support intergenerational ministry. From my own experience and those of others, I'll share three possible ways to initiate age-inclusive ministry in your church. One is to establish age-inclusive ministry as a core value. Intergenerational ministry should never be an activity that we are trying to incorporate into our worship. Rather, it should be our way of existing as a community. And one commentator strongly believes Findings emphasize that becoming intergenerational is nothing short of a paradigm shift. And the whole church must value intergenerational relationships and community at a core philosophical level. This shift requires that all of the leaders of the church buy into the value of intergenerational ministry and commit to changing the culture of the church over the long haul. The second is mentorship, as we, as we spoke about a little bit, and we see so many examples of this throughout the scriptures. Our contemporary In our contemporary culture, many families are fragmented and broken. The church has the great opportunity to instill confidence and meaning into the lives of the youngsters in their congregation. What many young people desire is to be seen and acknowledged. Mentorship does not require any money. Instead, it requires time. Through meaningful relationships, children and teenagers will know that they are valuable, seen, and appreciated. One minister told me that she created a buddy system between the seniors and children in her church. Every senior was encouraged to remember the names of three children or youths and connect with them after every church service. Send them a card around the holiday seasons and walk with them through their spiritual journey. The third is to develop creative forms of ministry which will empower seniors in your community. At Shepherd Village, when we were at a chaplain's conference, we heard about a nursing home that started a vacation Bible school for seniors. We loved the idea and we thought this was something that we could do for our seniors. So we took on the project to do Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And our seniors were so involved in it. It was a three-day VBS. The first day they walked into Israel, the second day they walked into Egypt, and on the third day the church on the Queensway came to do the musical for our seniors. And I just wanna share a little bit of that with you. So I'm gonna go to our next slide which is a video. One of my favorite prayers is from St. Patrick of Assisi and the last verse in it is Jesus go before us and that's exactly what happened with this VBS. We were just constantly praying because we had a very limited funds and so many people just opened their hearts and sponsored us including this company called Key West Videos which made a video of our seniors and their understanding of the story and how it applied to their life. So this video is our seniors and our pastoral team. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. He started out as an overconfident person uh, in a dysfunctional family.
2: Joseph was 17 years old when he was betrayed and sold by his brothers.
0: And he's taken into captivity and made a slave. And he just had God to rely on. He had nobody else to
2: turn to. Joseph being the favorite son of Jacob, Jacob mourned him for many, many days.
0: He decides to to live a very godly life and to work hard, and people see that in him.
1: He's he's sort of the example to live toward and the mark to to reach. Uh, His level of forgiveness and his level of humility at the end and servant attitude.
0: I think it's so easy for us to do everything that's right when things are going so perfectly in our life. Yet for him, it's just like one after another. Things just keep going wrong and people who he trusts continually betray him.
2: He had all this time to go through this, to evaluate it. I think that he probably never expected to see his brothers again. His life was already so changed in from the beginning that when he found out that his brothers were alive, he couldn't just go and not forgive them. He was 44 years old the next time he met them. That's a span of 27 years. If you do not forgive others, his Father will not forgive you. So when you do not forgive, you're blocking your own forgiveness from God.
0: Well, we, I think forgiveness is so important. We do it not just for others, but I think we just do it as well for ourselves.
2: Quite often, the person doesn't care if we forgive them or not. But we, we are the ones who suffer, and we are the ones who, who are either in prison or we are released by how much we forgive.
1: I do believe that each of us have a story to tell and God is working in and through our lives to bring about a redemptive story. I can reflect back to my beginnings when I first started in a spiritual journey and watched the hand of God.
2: He is an example of what we should be as godly characters maybe he thought his father was dead, and then his father was standing right there before him. It must have been one very good feeling. The word of the Lord
1: tried Joseph, but he held to that word, just like we today, if we're people of faith, we will hold to the word of God. The great story that God is creating is the redemptive story where we're all together. I think sometimes forgiveness is a process. You have to kind of work things out in...
2: And I guess he did, he took his time, and he, I think he did well. I think he had patience and long-suffering to go through all those trials, but most importantly, he had a deep faith in God that he would help him and get him through anything. Forgiveness was in his nature, mainly because
1: of all that he went through. Even in the midst of not being perfect, um, There's grace, there's forgiveness, and there's love and compassion. We need to talk to those who have wronged us and that we've wronged and build bridges, not walls.
0: One of the things that touched my heart the most while we were preparing our vacation Bible school was hearing some of our seniors' responses. One that touched me the most was when one of the ladies said, I feel like I have a purpose. And just seeing younger people and older people coming together to worship. So I'm gonna show you some, of the, uh, some, some pictures from our VBS. This is our prep room and you can see there's nothing really there, and they pretty much set up everything. And this is just slowly, as you can see, them putting up backdrops and making our walkway. This is our first day, and that's our walkway. That's our team with all of our senior volunteers and our staff. Um, that's a little bit of what our room setup look like. And this was a gentleman who was a, who's a Messianic Jew, and he gave an amazing talk for our seniors. And then that's a picture of our table, and they had all these ideas to create our table settings. We also had a petting zoo to come in to show how God's message is so diverse, and it's gone all around the world. So we, one of the highlights was the kangaroo, and you can see one of our seniors, he has a, a snake around his neck. And we thought... When would they ever have the opportunity to see these animals? So they had an amazing time. The next day we walked into Egypt. And what I love is if you can see that sphinx in the back, one of our seniors who is 82 years old and goes to people's church built that. And all, and the letters as well and the pyramid. And that's them eating and enjoying themselves and that's our worship. We had an obstacle course that day and they had to build pyramids. And it was just a great opportunity for them. And that's them building and doing the obstacle course. And then our last day on Church on the Queensway, and actually it was amazing to see, we had a record breaking attendance. We had 420 people who lived at Shepler Village come out to this. So it was kind of a testimony as to how much they want to know more about God. And we actually got to meet people who are new Christians coming to know Jesus in their, their later years as well. And that's just a little bit more of it. I wanted to share a poem that was found amongst the possessions of an elderly woman who died in a geriatric ward of a hospital. No information is available concerning who she was or when she died, but it eloquently addresses the nature of how people view the elderly in society. The poem is entitled, When you look at me, what do you see, nurse? And it reads, what do you see, nurse? What do you see? Are you thinking when you look at me? A crabbed old woman, not very wise, uncertain of habit with far away eyes, who dribbles her food and makes no reply when you say in a loud voice, I wish you'd try. Who seems not to notice the things that you do and forever is losing a stocking or a shoe. Who, resisting or not, lets you do as you will with bathing and feeding the long day to fill. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you see? Then open your eyes, nurse. You're not looking at me. I'll tell you who I am as I sit here so still, as I move at your bidding, eat at your will. I'm a small child of 10 with a father and mother, brothers and sisters who love one another. A young girl of 16 with wings on her feet, dreaming that soon a love she'll meet. A bride at 20, my heart gives a leap, remembering the vows that I promised to keep. At 25 now, I have young of my own who need me to build a secure, happy home. A woman of 30, my young now grow fast, bound together with ties that should last. At 40, my young sons have grown up and gone, but my man's beside me to see I don't mourn. At 50, once more, babies play around my feet. Again, you know children, my loved ones and me. Dark days are upon me, my husband is dead. I look at the future, I shudder with dread. For my young are all rearing, young of their own and I think of the years and the love that I've known. I am an old woman now, and nature is cruel. Tis her jest to make old age like a fool. The body, it crumbles, grace and vigor depart. There is a stone where I once had a heart. But inside this old carcass, a young girl still dwells, and now again, my bitter heart swells. I remember the joys, I remember the pain, and I'm loving and living life over again. I think of the years, all too few, gone too fast, and accept the stark fact that nothing can last. So open your eyes, nurse, open and see, not a crabbed old woman, look closer, see me. As a church, we have the opportunity to bridge the gaps between the generations and cultivate a holistic community where all people are considered worthy, valuable, and loved. At this time, I'd like to close in a prayer. Please join me. Dear Heavenly Father, as I just reflect on the people at Shepherd Village, many of whom were former pastors, missionaries, and people who served in so many capacities, Our churches are only available for us today because others sacrifice so much to go before us and build this vibrant Christian community, which we get to enjoy. I pray as the church that we will open our hearts, that we will continue to invest in the elderly, and that we will strive to break down any bridges and any gaps that have formed between the generations. And may we find new and creative ways to get to know each other and love each other more fully.